0: Good evening. We'd like to welcome this evening to the Altoona Bible Church and our evening fellowship hour. It is our prayer that through this service that you will be encouraged and you'll be blessed. We're continuing our series on the church, which is his body, the church, the body of Christ. And this evening being December, we are going to be singing some Christmas hymns. So we're going to begin the service by singing hymn 121, Away in a Manger. Hymn
1: 121, Away in a Manger. beautiful song and as soon as you get started it seems like it's over. So we're going to continue our singing with 104 Joy to the World. For this evening, our special music will be Randy Bickle, who will be playing the piano. His first number is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Amen, Randy. Thank you for that song. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's your turn to sing again. We're going to go back to our hymnals. The hymn 102, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Sing our worship song, which is ring the bells. song we're gonna be singing together before randy comes back for his other special song will be silent night holy night him 100 Birth of that boy, that we have salvation today through Jesus Christ. For this time, Randy's going to come back to play his second special music, which is the first Noel.
0: Amen, Randy. Thank you uh, for that beautiful number of the first Noel. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians uh, chapter number 4. Ephesians uh, chapter number 4, and i like to begin reading here at verse uh, number 12. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse, actually we'll begin reading here at verse number 11. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 11. And again, we're continuing our series on the church, which is the body of of Christ. And we've been talking about this for the last several weeks. Such an important doctrine to understand from God's perspective and from the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. The church, the body of Christ. And again, as we have said, this is absolutely exclusively a Pauline doctrine, a Pauline term found only in the 13 epistles of the Apostle Paul, Romans over to Philemon. This is not found in the Old Testament. This is not found anywhere in Peter's epistles, John's epistles. It's not used by the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry. And so we've been looking at this and we've given you the definition of the word church. Again, it's not a denomination. It's not about a building. It's the word, the Greek word, ekklesia, means the called out once. It's a reference to the people and not to the building. And we understand that and should. And it's so important to understand that truth. And then we talked about the beginning of the church. Some people want to talk about it in the Old Testament, some want to talk about it during the earthly ministry of Christ. The majority during today, in, in biblical Christianity, would view it as starting somewhere in Acts chapter number two. What they would say, the day of Pentecost, and we spent weeks showing you that that's a Jewish feast day, that there were no Gentiles, and what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is Jew and Gentile joint heirs in a body. Ephesians chapter number two didn't begin there. That was not the message that Peter had that day of grace and of a body. Peter's message was repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Praise God what Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 7 and Colossians 1:14 teaches us. That truly that we have salvation and redemption through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, that's God's message. And that's what we need to understand. when so we talk about in the doctrine of ecclesiology, the, the study of the church. This is what we've been doing for these last several weeks. And we showed you that the church began. the, the body of Christ began in and through Paul. Acts 13. You have the blindness of our Jesus. You have the first mention. When he goes into Antioch of Pisidia, what does he preach? He preaches justification by faith. Read Acts 13, 38 and 39, from which the law of Moses could never justify anyone because keeping of the law does not remember the word justify means to be declared righteous. Romans chapter 3, it's how God sees us in Christ. At the moment of our salvation, God places the very holiness and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ on us and he sees Christ in us The hope of glory and so that's what we talked about and we talked about the important issue of the body of christ one body but many members and the issue of one anothering, how important that is and how important it is for us to demonstrate the mind of christ to be other-centered and not self-centered and i encourage you and i would encourage you again this evening look at the word another or one another in paul's epistles We gave you some of those and study those out and see how that applies to you and how we have to understand that we're we're this body. Many members, there's unity and diversity in the body of Christ because God gives different gifts, but there's unity and the body of Christ is not a lifeless organization. It's a living organism working together to bring honor and glory to God. Well, as we come here to Ephesians chapter number 4, we want to talk this evening about what, what is the purpose of the church? Can, can, can we, when we talk about this, can, can we go to Scripture and see what God says concerning this? What really is the purpose of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because remember, we've talked about The fact is that God has ordained today in the dispensation of grace the local church, we, we praise God for para-church organizations, those Bible schools that are teaching God's Word, teaching absolutely the inerrancy of the Word of God and the doctrine and the deity of Christ and salvation by grace through faith and the Word of God it right and divided. Praise God for that. Praise God for those mission organizations who have that same standard and belief and under, understanding. But when you go back to the early church, who was responsible to send out missionaries? Who was responsible to establish them in the faith? It's responsible to establish other people in the faith. It was the local church. God today, in the dispensation of grace, has ordained the local church. What, what is the purpose of the local church? There are some who would say, well, maybe the purpose of the local church is a political end. We, we, we should be involved in politics trying to change the world. Is, is that the purpose? Is that the goal of the local church? Or maybe some would say it's just a social gathering place where we can meet, and certainly we understand the importance of fellowship and having Christian friends and encouraging each other and praying for each other. Is the local church simply a social gathering place? Should we just preach the social gospel? We we, 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 we want to reach people, but people don't want to hear upon the word of God and hear upon salvation by grace, so we Just teach the social gospel. And, of course, we don't believe that here at the Altuda Bible Church. Just a place to worship. Well, I think it's more than all that. When you come to Ephesians chapter number 4, look what God says in verse number 12. And remember, it goes back to verse number 11. We know that there are evangelists who have the gift of evangelism, of preaching the salvation message and leading people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gave, pastor, teacher, God gave gifted men to the church pastor a teacher literally a pastor and teacher and when you drop down to verse number 12 for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ and what we would say here ephesians chapter 4 listen to this ephesians 4 12 is not the threefold responsibility of a pastor there were some that's what they would they they would look to verse 12 and say well this is why we hired a pastor because he is to perfect the saints he's to do the work of the ministry he's to do the edifying of the body of christ in fact in the original language the first four and then the other two fours the preposition four are not the same word the reality is as you look to this verse of scripture You can't believe and think that the pastor is to do everything. He has an important responsibility of preaching and teaching the correct message and encouraging and praying for his assembly and his friends and his flock and the church, absolutely. But he can't be doing the Sunday school and youth and all these various things. Remember, we're a body. That's one anothering. The body of Christ working together to bring God honor and glory and using the different gifts that God has given us. And so when you look at verse number 12, the reality is, and the understanding of this is that this is not a threefold responsibility of the pastor. In fact, what it is, is the first responsibility for the perfecting of the saints is the pastor's responsibility. And the reality then, the understanding is when you see those second four, the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ, that is your responsibility as members of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The perfecting of the saints. In this specific word, perfecting, only appears this one time in the New Testament. Just this just once. And then what you'll see, and I'm going to put this on the screen and tell you, Found in Mark chapter number 1, we see the word, verse number 19, mending, Matthew 4.21, mending, and then the word Galatians 6.1, restore. Look back with me to Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 21. Now the word here is is not, as I said, over in Ephesians chapter 4, that word perfecting only appears in that one particular verse of scripture. The specific Greek word, I have to be clear on this. But the verb form of that word appears in Matthew 4.21, Mark 1.19, and Galatians 6.1. And look at how it is translated, mending or restore. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 21. I mean, here you have the call of the 12 disciples, the apostles. Verse 21 says, and going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. What were were they doing? You say, well, it's very clear, they were mending nets. What what does that have to do with the perfecting of the saints? Because don't you see the beauty of that? If, If your net, if their net... Had a, if James and John's net, they were fishermen, and their net had a hole in it, they couldn't catch fish because the fish would find that and go through it. So what did they do? They, they mended that net. So that net was restored for its original and, and its important purpose of, of catching fish. Over in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, we see these words. Brethren, if a man be overtaken a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore. There's the word, mending. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. What do you do? do? You're to restore that person. What do you do? You're, You're mending that person. You're helping that person. And that's demonstrating the mind of Christ. So we see here. Though the word only appears one time, the verb appears more than these three times, but I just wanted to give you those specific verses of Scripture. And the verb for perfecting, mending, conveys a fundamental idea of putting something into its appropriate condition so it will function to restore to its original condition. And that's what he's talking about here. And that's that's, that's the issue, and that was the issue for James and John with a net that had holes in it that wasn't going to function. They had to mend the net for this person. You who are spiritual, this person has been overtaken the fault. You who are spiritual. Who who is a spiritual person? Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and into the third chapter, you had the natural person, the natural man. That's unsaved man. Remember, the word of God is foolishness to them. They're not going to be able to help and encourage somebody. Then you have the the issue of carnality. And we see that in the lives of the Corinthians in the third chapter. Their walk was but mere man. Do you think that they could have helped this person who's overtaken the fall? No, it's the one who's spiritual. The one who is saved and living by the Holy Spirit of God, governed by the Holy Spirit of God in his life. And that person, male or female, could encourage this person and restore this person. In the spirit of meekness, consider thyself, lest thou also fall into this issue of temptation. Past responsibility is for the perfecting of the saints. To, to encourage them, to, to ground them in the word of God. And the issue is clear. The issue is very clear. And then when you look at the other two, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of christ that is the perfected saint we'll put this on the screen in a moment and and really emphasize this that, that's that's the perfected saint. that's you if you have if your gift is not pastor or teacher you not been called in that aspect of ministry but you have other gifts God wants to use you, and what we need to understand and realize then, as a perfected saint, we can do the work of the ministry. As a perfected saint, we can do the edifying of the body of Christ in love. And that's what he's talking about. Verse number 12. In verse number 12, we see for the perfecting of the saints, that's the pastor teacher, perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ the work of the ministry the perfected saint does the work of the ministry sunday school teacher working in the nursery youth groups being a part of the prayer chain praying for others maybe sending words notes of encouragement that, that's that's the work of the ministry Then for the edifying of the body of Christ. And what does the word edifying mean? The word edifying means what? To build up. That's what it means. And when you build a house, where do you start? You start with the foundation. You don't tear a house down. You build it. And you're going to build it line upon line and precept upon precip. You build the foundation and the walls and then the roof and the trusses. And then you put the roof on. Edifying house building edification and here in Ephesians chapter 4 you drop down to verse number 29 it says let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers there's edification and later on in verse number 32 we talked about this with one another and and again I encourage you to read this and do this study on your own look to the word one another be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath already forgiven you that's your responsibility that, that, that's part of the body of Christ that's that's body life that's what God is teaching go back and read first corinthians chapter 12 so when you when you see this here the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ this, this is this is The individual's responsibility. Part of the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the pastor, teacher, perfects the saint, mends the saint, restores the saint, so the perfected saint can do the work of the the ministry, so the perfected saint can do the edifying of the body of Christ of itself in love. Individual members of the body of Christ who have been perfected, who have been mended, are clearly established in the faith. And we need to be established in the faith. Remember what 2 Timothy, you don't have to turn there, but follow along and listen to these words. 2 Timothy chapter 4 talks upon. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And today in 21st century biblical Christianity, there people, well, that's too doctrinal. Just, just give me something practical. I, I don't want to know about or hear about the, the doctrinal end. That, that's sad to me. Because if you're not doctrinally established in the faith, someone's going to come up to you and cause confusion because you do not understand, ask you some question or attack uh, a specific doctrine, whether the doctrine of ecclesiology or eschatology or Christology concerning the Lord. Or bibliology concerning the Bible? Are you able to, will you be able to defend yourself? And so so we want to be established in the faith. We want to be able to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And the time has long come. And the word sound is healthy. We get our English word hygiene from this, hygienics. But after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having the itching ears? And again, I remind you, it's not the teachers that having the itching ears, it's the it's, it's, it's congregation. And you say, what does that mean? They, they don't want to hear the sound doctrine of God's word, that they just want to hear flowery sermons or read a couple poems or read some stories. That's all they want. Or tell some jokes. No. What, what, what is a church to be? It is, it is a training ground to be established in the faith so that when you're out in public, because there's people who are not going to want to talk to a pastor, maybe not want to darken the doors of a church, they ask you a question. If you're perfected, if you're bended, if you're grounded in the Word of God, you're going to be able to teach them. And the, the issue here with the itching ears, it's, it's not the teachers. If you believe and you think that's what this verse is, I encourage you to reread it, pray. Ask God for help because it's, it's not the teachers who have the itching ears, it's the congregation. And basically, if you're going to preach, congregation is going to say, if you're going to preach this message and preach the Bible, we, we don't want that. That, you know, itching, itching ears. The tickling of the ears, and if you go back to Ephesians chapter number four, so this is, this is this is why. Here's God's order, pastor, teacher, for the perfecting of the saints. So the saint is mended, restored to what is. Original intention is that they can go and do the work of the ministry, that they can go and do the edifying of the body of Christ. And if you drop down here to verse number 14, notice what you see here in verse 14, verse 15, and verse 16. In verse number 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive Isn't isn't that the perfecting of the saints right there, that we're no longer tossed to and fro, that we're grounded, we're mended? That's that's what God is talking about. If if we're not going to be established in the faith, we are going to be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And even in my lifetime, in in the time that since I've been saved at 17, there there are these winds of doctrine that, that shift. And if you're not established in the faith, you're going to go after them. And it's false. And it could be false. And many times it is a false doctrine. Then if you read down verse number 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ. Speaking the truth in love. And this is the work of the ministry. Speaking God's truth in love. Because you're the perfected saint. You're the mended You're the, the, the mended saint. And then the issue of edification, verse 16, from whom the whole body, listen to this. Think about this verse of scripture with Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, and with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, so also is Christ's body. And again, in verse number 12, he's not talking about the physical body of Christ, he's talking about the spiritual body, the church, the body of Christ, Ephesians 5. This is a great mystery, and the issue is, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two become one. And this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning what Christ in the church? Because it's not a physical union. We're, we're seen as bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And look at this description in verse 16. And here is the issue of edifying. Verse 15 ends up upon the head, even Christ, because Christ is the head over the church, the body of Christ. We're we're members of that body. We don't don't have the same office, we don't have the same function, we don't have the same gifts, but we work together. We should be unified around the the doctrine and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation by grace through faith from whom the whole body, it's Christ, fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to, listen to this, the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And there is the word edifying. So in verse 12, you have those three fours. The first one is the pastor's teacher's responsibility the next two are really the perfected saints responsibility to do the work of the ministry verse 14 15 and 16 you see the issue of perfecting the issue of the work and then the issue of edification and if you'll throw with me in your bibles to 1st Timothy chapter number 2 verse number uh, 14 excuse me 1st uh, uh, Timothy chapter 2 verse number 4 and notice here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4, is we, again, what we're looking at, what, what, what is the purpose of the local church? I think what we see, the local church is a miniature representation of the true church, the body of Christ. One body, many members. Don't have the same office, don't have the same function, same responsibility, same gifts. But we work together. And we're to demonstrate that, the mind of Christ in Philippians chapter number two. And then over in first and 2nd Timothy chapter number three, where again 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy is God's last epistle through the Apostle Paul. And I personally believe, and again, let you know, stop at what I'm gonna say. Because I know what, what, when I say this, people are going to run to your you know, Bibles, if you have a Schofield Study Bible, and you go to the book of Revelation, it says it was written 96 A.D. Remember, those dates are man's best attempt to understand the possible time of writing. They're not inspired. I believe the book of Revelation was written a lot earlier than 95, 96 A.D. And I believe that really the last epistle God wrote through the Apostle Paul, in the last epistle, the second Timothy. And in chapter 3, he tells you that the perilous, the fierce, the savage times are coming. Because literally what we have is the passing of the baton of God's truth. The Apostle Paul is going to find out in the fourth chapter, is recorded there, the time of his departure is at hand. He's fought the good fight, and he's finished the course, he's kept the faith. He, he's going to die. And because he is a Roman citizen, he cannot be crucified, so they're going to behead him. Not because he was a terrible person, but because of the preaching and what he was doing. He became a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he fought and he finished and he kept. And the third chapter, what God's talking about is to young Timothy, the perils, the fierce, the savage times are going to hard and they're, they're, they're coming and they're going to be hard to understand. And how does that chapter end up? Read verse 16, verse 17. The word of God. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable in our lives for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness. That the man of God May perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, the word of God working in and through us. And then go to verse number two. First one up, and man hard to understand, and men shall be lovers of their own selves. And again, I understand. We we see the rise of homosexuality in our country and throughout the world, and people think that's what that verse is talking about. That's not what that verse is talking about, folks. Homosexuality is wrong. We know what the Bible teaches concerning that. What that verse is talking about is what? Love of self over the love of others. And I personally believe you keep reading, oh, we don't have time this evening, but all those trends are not signs because there are no signs for the church. Those trends are what? Those trends are within the church. It's not the way the world is. It's what's going on in the church. Men, lovers of their own selves. They have love of self over the love of others. What are they not doing? Read Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 here. We talk upon the the purpose of the local assembly, the church, the body of Christ. I think Ephesians 4 lays it out. And there are, there are groups that are, their whole goal and thought is political because they want to change the world. Well, we change the world by the preaching of God's truth because look what, well, look what God's purpose here is. And I think and go back to the Macedonian call and vision that the Apostle Paul received is recorded in Acts 16. There he is in Troas. He wanted to go back and read this. He wants to go north, but the Holy Spirit of God, forbid him not. He goes and he's going to be out there in Troas, the westernmost part of modern day Turkey. It's Asia Minor back then. And he has a vision of the man of Macedonia coming over, ob- beseeching them to come over to help him. And, and he reads the scriptures. Immediately, Paul didn't debate about it. Immediately, we endeavored to leave and we went there. What did he do? We, we understand the needs that people have. But we're not, we're not preaching a social gospel. We're preaching the true message of salvation, of grace, and by grace, through faith alone, and the finished work of the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4. Verse 3 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And to me, this is God's twofold will today. Here again, it would be a purpose of the local church, salvation. By the way, when we read this verse of scripture, let me be clear, who will have all men to be saved because Christ died for all. There are some people who believe that he only died for the elect, only died for certain people. No, he died for all. All can be saved. What must they do? They must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Going to church is not going to save you. Membership in a church is not going to save you. Giving money is not going to save you. Water baptism is not going to save you. The only message of salvation today in the dispensation of God's grace, listen, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He came into this world. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. That through his death, burial, and resurrection, he will save all. We sing that wonderful hymn. Room at the cross. So millions have come, yet there's room for one and we can Keep singing that, and that is a true message until the Lord Jesus Christ returns or until you die because after death, you cannot get saved. You cannot cry out to God and say, well, I didn't know, and, or I delayed it, now I'm dead, and I'm in hell, and please transfer me up to heaven. It's not going to work that way. That's why it's so important to understand. And through this pandemic and through this crazy year of 2020, my prayer had been and will be that people think and when they think about the issue of the pandemic, that they think about the reality and, and how fragile human life is, it's, it's frail. It says James tells us that it's but a vapor. It's here and it's gone. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal savior? If you've never trusted him, Christ came into this world. You have to recognize that you're a sinner. Christ came into this world to die for you, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, you can have the gift of eternal life. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when you read verse number four, it says, Who will have all men to be saved, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And some people would take that the knowledge of the truth is a further definition of the word saved there. No, no, it's not. It it, it is separated by the word and. God's will is that all men to be saved and, and come to the knowledge of the truth. Knowledge of the truth is not salvation. Knowledge of the truth is what? It's after salvation. When we're saved, then God wants us to grow God wants us to be perfected, mended, so that we can do the work of the ministry, so that we can do the edifying of the body of Christ, so that we're not tossed to and fro. An individual who is saved and 10 years later has not grown spiritually. See, it's a danger, it's a concern. person we should be growing spiritually in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the knowledge of the truth is the understanding of God's truth and of the word of God rightly divided. And then you're in Timothy, you look over to the third chapter, verse number 15. Third chapter, verse number 15. To me, this is what, and again, obviously, a part of the local church is that you fellowship one with another. You have friends. And fellow believers who, who are concerned about you and are going to pray for you and help you, absolutely. Absolutely, that, those, those are, that's part of it. But a pastor teacher's responsibility is to mend and perfect the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. And part of the work of the ministry would be, go back and read First Corinthians chapter 12. If one member suffers, we all suffer with that member. There's the work of the ministry. If one member be praised, we all rejoice with that person. That that is one anothering. So absolutely, that's part of the local church. People who want to isolate and say, well, I don't want to go to church because there are are people there and, you know, they're not perfect people. Going to find themselves at the end of their life looking for friends and needing people. There's where the local church comes in church that understands the truth of God's love and wants to demonstrate God's love and God's grace to each other 1st Timothy chapter 3 verse number 15 and here in 1st Timothy God writing through Paul to Timothy and literally I don't have the time but remember go back and read Acts go back and read in Acts chapter 20 when Paul is dealing with the city of the Ephesian elders in the city of Miletus and he tells them that there's this coming attack and it's coming on the outside and it's coming from within. The enemy is going to attack and they're going to appear as sheep, but literally, really, they're raving wolves. And then there's the attack inside of your own, of your own selves. Disciples are going to teach twisted, and adorns, this sort of thing. and who is he talking to? He's not just talking to the church at large. He's talking to the elders of the church at Ephesus and the city of Miletus. And he tells them this information. He's, he's going to Jerusalem. None of these things move me. Bonds and afflictions, they're, they're awaiting. They, they don't move me. I don't count my life dear to myself and I might finish my course with joy in the ministry that God had given me. And when he goes to leave, they soared most of all. read it. I wasn't there. I understand memory. They're concerned that we're never going to see Paul again. But they sorrowed most of all for the words that they, they were seeing. Yet they're going to see him because, again, I think you've got to take that verse in the context. Paul doesn't know if he's coming back because he, he, and he. later in Acts 21, he is almost killed in the city of Jerusalem. Later on, there was an assassination conspiracy against him. And I say that in prefaces because... If you read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 says, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. When I went into Macedonia, that mightest charge some, but they teach no other doctrine. Let me paint the picture for you. Later on in Paul's ministry, after spending two years in Caesarea, two years in his own hired house in Rome, he, he continues to preach and goes out to encourage and establish people in the faith. And he's at Ephesus, read the verse, with Timothy, and he's going to leave Timothy in charge. There's a spiritual attack going on, literally a fulfillment of what Acts chapter 20 talked about, what Paul had warned the Ephesian elders, and they sorrowed most of all that they would never see him. He's there, and he leaves Timothy in charge while he goes into Macedonia. And he talks upon the fact that he wants, he wants to return. Verse 14, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest, listen to this, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. It's the pillar and the ground of the truth. Not of all truth, so, so what is the purpose of the church? Where the, the church? The local assembly that is standing up and preaching salvation by grace and the word of God. And the word of God rightly divided is to be the pillar and the ground of, truth, of God's truth. Not of all truth, but of God's truth. The house of God, which is the church of the living God. We, we serve the risen God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve the living God. We don't serve a dead God. We we have a a living message. We have a living message that we see here in God's word and we can rejoice in. So we talk about the doctrine of ecclesiology. We need to understand the things that we've talked about, the beginning of the church, what the word ecclesia means, the people, where the church began. Why? Because what you believe doctrinally affects the way you're going to live for God. If you believe that the day of Pentecost was the beginning of the church and your gospel message is found in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And that is not the message of God's grace today. The message of God's grace is that Christ, he who knew no sin, became sin for us that we might be made the righteous of God in him. All we need to do is believe, recognize that we're sinners and that Christ came into this world to die for us. And that through belief and trust in his death, burial, and resurrection, God saves us. That's God's message. Praise God for that. The church. The local church. What God has ordained today in the dispensation of God's grace. How we need to live for him. How we need to function and serve him. And we need to understand that we are ambassadors for God. We are God's representatives. And that we understand how we're to function and live in the issue of one anothering. Again, incur- I encourage you to read through Paul's epistles, get your Strong's accordance and look at the word one another and see your, re- your responsibility. We know that we have a vertical truth. That is our relationship to Lord Jesus Christ, who is head over the church, the body of Christ. But we also have that horizontal truth. One body. One body. One head. The Lord Jesus Christ. But made up of many members. And we all have a responsibility for us to be doing And that is to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ today. To be serving him. To be following and be faithful to the word of God. To be faithful to the word of God and the word of God rightly divided. Daniel calls it the scripture of truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 we're to study to show ourselves approved in the God. A workman who needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God. You see, it begins with salvation. Again, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? You've never trusted him. The frailty of human life, how fragile human life is. It's here and it's gone. Even if we live 100 years, that does not compute and compare to all eternity, which is forever and ever. And what is eternal life? It's God giving to us his own life. No beginning and no ending. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I encourage you to believe and trust him right now, right where you're at. And if we can help you here at the Altoona Bible Church with your spiritual growth, please contact us here at the church at 942-2131. We'd love to answer any questions, love to help you in your journey, in your spiritual journey for God. And if you have questions about salvation, please call us as well. It's so important for us to understand how we can be living for God and serving him and what God's intent and purpose for the local church is. And it is to serve him. It's to encourage each other and it's to be established in the faith of God. I want to thank you for listening, for watching this evening to our evening service. We pray that it's been a blessing. We pray and continue to pray for God's blessing upon the United States, God's blessing upon you, and God's blessing upon the Altoona Bible Church.